Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about the season 5 finale, season 5, episodes 31 and 32, P.S. I Love You. Mary, what happened this week? The Walshes are selling their house and leaving, like, right now to go to Hong Kong. Brandon and Val will live at the house until it sells, and then they'll have to find their own place or places. In the meantime, though, the Kegs and the Alphas have a fraternity-slash-sorority convention thing in Palm Springs, so that's where Brandon ends up, sad about how Kelly didn't want to marry him and drinking all the beer about it. Kelly, having chosen herself after Brandon and Dylan's gift competition, spends time with Allison, who is now out of the hospital. They have a cute little living room floor dinner, which Claire and David misinterpret as a date. I wonder how they could have done that. Brandon hears about this and spirals further, leading him to hallucinate his parents and also want to fuck Val for some reason. That doesn't happen, at least not at Palm Springs, because Brandon gets pulled over driving Val's car, which has a joint in it. Steve's dad tries to set him up with Robin Wallace, the daughter of a business acquaintance. Steve is reluctant to get involved with her because he's sure Rush is just trying to appease said business acquaintance so they can work together but also because he keeps seeing this lady with a big hat and a Cadillac. Elle, a born and bred desert rose, turns out to be more interesting than Steve knows how to handle. Ray tries to reconcile with Donna, who decides to give him another chance. They go down to Palm Springs together so he can hear Donna's big important speech. Ray reverts to dick mode 12 seconds after their arrival, making Donna feel bad for doing what she literally came there to do. He also manages to bond with Felice over wanting Donna to dress more modestly, so it's just extra weird and uncomfortable. Valerie witnesses a fight between Donna and Ray, which ends with him basically pushing Donna down a flight of stairs. Donna denies that's what happened when Val confronts her about it and reveals that she never really trusted Val at all. She's just nice. Dylan and Charlie visit Tom Rose, who will totally finance their movie if his girlfriend can be in it. They promise her a read, which goes horribly, but also Dylan senses something a little weird about Tom and whatever business he does. Tom monitors a call Dylan makes to Christine Pettit at the FBI, which leads him to dangle Dylan out of a Skytram gondola thingy 6,000 feet over a mountain to be like, hey, stop that. Christine gets back to Dylan to be like, hey, these dudes are dangerous, as if we don't know but Dylan's already back home and loading his gun. This was a long-ass finale, and hearing the synopsis read back to me like that (laughs) just reminds me that so much happens. So buckle up, kids. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's start at the beginning and the literally two minutes of Steve driving from L.A. to Palm Springs. Yeah, literally he's just ogling women left and right especially this one in particular in a giant pink hat so you know I I kind of thought immediately once I saw that giant pink hat this is curious Steve and she is the woman with the pink hat oh my gosh (laughs) I like that so much better than what actually happened (laughs) I mean can you imagine he's just like um like I mean let's pare it down to as Steve is as simple as a monkey (laughs) and he's just on on the hunt for his you know metaphorical man in the yellow hat (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, he literally, like, while he is driving to Palm Springs, he turns his hat from, like, keep the sun out of my eyes to party Steve. Oh, yeah. It's like as soon as he sees somebody or something he likes, he's like, ooh, 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 let me change <laughs> because that changes my entire persona. Which, to be fair, I do like Steve with the backwards cap better than the forwards cap. Like, I do too. I can't get over that Ian's earring is so attractive. <laughs> it upsets me so much. It's so disappointing. <laughs> so totally unrelated to this. Did you see while he was driving to Palm Springs – the other sign on the highway just says other desert cities. No. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure that's a real sign. Probably. Because it's like, do you want to go to Palm Springs or do you want to go to those other desert cities? <laughs> We're not even going to name them because we know your answer. Yeah, it's not worth it. But he gets to the Marriott in Palm Springs and... It's a whole keg thing. We see a sign that says, welcome keg. He's pulling his golf clubs out of the car. And he drives up to the hacienda he's staying in and rushes there. Because apparently this is like all the kegs, including alumni. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And really, Rush is just there to remind Steve to like, don't just be a frat bro this weekend. You need to network and you need to... You know, I've already got your social calendar filled up, blah, 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 um, because obviously Rush is always looking to do some business or at least looking to network himself. And Steve immediately is like, no, <laughs> please don't do this, because he realizes that it's another blind date. So apparently Rush has a habit of just setting Steve up. Yeah. And, you know, literally he says in this, her name is Robin. Her dad's a donor. She's an alpha. Like there is a point to everything that you will be doing with this girl this entire weekend. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they go into this hacienda. It is all decked out with keg decorations. And Muntz comes in holding what looks like a case of soda, but is actually beer that he has put new soda wrappings on so they can get drunk. And I love Rush being like, oh, you – Underage drinking. <laughs> I'll support this. <laughs> like, quite literally after he was just like, Steve, this is a really important weekend. He's like, but it's fine. You can manage your alcohol intake and network at the same time. <laughs> I, I totally trust you to do that, 19-year-old son of mine. Yep. But I guess, like, to his point, out of all of the other people there, like, out of the gang, I guess... I probably would trust Steve the most, you know, because he at least has been in the frat, you know, and knows the expectations and knows kind of the, um, I guess, unwritten rules. So weirdly, this is the only thing I trust Steve in is like if there's a party or a business thing to go down, he can probably manage it the best. And in fact, like, you know, spoiler alert, he does. He actually manages his, his liquor intake and his alcohol intake quite well <laughs> yeah he handles keg well mm -hmm. anything outside of keg fucking nightmare yeah exactly <laughs> but so he ends up going to call brandon and he tells his dad like look his parents are moving to hong kong they're selling the house his girlfriend broke up with him he needs keg now more than ever <laughs> which hilariously is like actually true like brandon does need brotherhood in this moment yeah, he just needs, like, companionship. He doesn't need to be alone. He, you know, outside of the whole party aspect, it's like he just needs a distraction from all the drama that's happening in his life right now. Yeah, because 
you know, to that point, the next thing we see is Casa Walsh and it is just full of real estate agents. And Brandon picks up the phone when Steve calls and basically says, like, I can't come to Palm Springs right now because Jim and Cindy are leaving today. Yeah, like literally today. I mean, we just learned about the whole Hong Kong Hong Kong situation and hardly any time has passed. So this has been such a quick turnaround for them to already be leaving. Which is kind of wild. Like, I suppose when somebody offers you two and a half times your salary in this huge promotion, like, they do need to be like, you need to go now. And this, I guess this is probably why they were hush-hush last, last week, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're probably working out the details, his company. And, you know, because of the offer and how great it is, it doesn't really leave Jim with a lot of room to negotiate or leverage to negotiate with. So it's like, yeah, you kind of have to just, even though it's like literally an entirety, a world's entirety away, you got to do this and do it fast. Mm. I'm sure there's got to be some like relocation package or something happening here, you know, like helping with logistics. Yeah. Like the company has to have hired movers to help them pack Mm -hmm. up their stuff and go. So like they just needed to focus on their immediate needs and then getting to the airport. Yeah. You would think. You would think. You'd also think there was like a car service, but I'm sure they were just like, no, no, it's fine. Our son will drive us. (laughs) Yeah, we need to spend our precious time with our son. I wonder if and when they told Brenda. I was just thinking about that, and I wonder if Hong Kong is closer to London or further from London. Because it's – Ooh. L.A. to London is pretty far away. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's – yeah. If you think about it on sides of the – if you're thinking about the earth – and sides of it, if you can make sides to a sphere, it's pretty similar. It's 13 hours, so it is farther. Okay. But, like, not, not by that much. much. Yeah. Because it would have been, like, what, nine hours in the other direction? Yeah, I would say nine or ten. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway... Brandon goes outside where Jim and Cindy are packing up the car and Kelly has shown up to bring them a very weird going away palm tree that's literally just a palm tree and it says Beverly Hills 90210. It looks like a craft that she made Jackie when she was like a kid. (laughs) It looks really bad and I feel like Kelly would have gotten them something nicer like a little crystal or like Mm -hmm. a little crystal palm tree that would have been really cute maybe she went this route though because she used recyclable materials (laughs) and she knew cindy would like that (laughs) oh my gosh i would love if she was like cindy i went to the farmer's market and i used my compost from my trip to the (laughs) farmer's market to make this for you oh my gosh if only i crushed my cans into the shape of a palm tree that would be incredible. And you know Cindy would, like, be super ecstatic about it. Lose her mind. She would cherish it forever. But Brandon comes out. Jim and Cindy are like, oh, we're going to see our way out of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brandon's being a little short with Kelly, and I think it makes sense. Oh, totally. He's still salty about the fact that she, you know, not only chose herself, but that means she didn't choose Brandon here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big ego blow. I mean, we can talk about the, you know, the reasons for Brandon deciding to propose to her. But all in all, if somebody turns down a proposal, that's still a huge shot to the ego. 
Yeah, and it wasn't even that she turned it down and said, I'm not ready to get married yet. Mm -hmm. She literally said, like, I choose me. Here's your ring back. Exactly. Yeah, so, like, she makes this whole comment about it, and he says, like, no, I proposed. You said no. End of conversation. Yep. Which is fair. Like, Brandon's got to look out for him in this point. He got hurt, and I don't blame him for his reaction here. No, I don't either. Um, I just have to point out, though, that Kelly's hair is adorable like this. I really like this a lot more than the uh, Mrs. Brady that she yeah. had going on. Like, it started to grow out, and now she's, like, doing something with it. I like it. Mm-hmm. I do, too. But, yeah, even as they're talking and, like, Brandon's trying to wrap that up as fast as he can, Val walks up, confirms that they have dinner plans, and... At this point, we don't really know if it's all the Walshes or if it's just Val and Brandon. But then she says she's going to see Dylan. So a couple things kind of like stuck out to me here. Brandon has absolutely no issue with Val having dinner with Brandon as well as hanging out with Dylan. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of a double standard except for the fact that Kelly was his girlfriend. Like that's the only reason I'm like okay yeah I can see why you're being territorial or or, um, jealous or whatever but it's like usually Brandon is very testy at the the mere mention of Dylan and -hmm. the fact that he could absolutely care less (laughs) with Val just says volumes about how pretty much everybody feels about Val (laughs) yeah oh my gosh Dylan's comment in the next scene is so perfect Mm -hmm. because yeah Val says she's going to see Dylan she looks at Kelly and he's like do you want me to give Dylan your regards? I loved that. And I love Brandon being like, I would stand here and referee, but, and just leaves. Just, nope. (laughs) Like, I feel bad because I know a lot of this is coming from pain, but I kind of love sassy Brandon so much. Yeah, it beats, like, sassy, sarcastic Brandon beats full Brandon any day, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, because at least when he's being sassy and sarcastic, he usually has a good reason for it. When he's being just yelly and angry, it's something that he blew way out of proportion or somebody else told him to be mad at. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the scene ends with Val telling Kelly that we should call you the Terminator. Who else could knock out two guys with one shot? Yeah. Val is just adding fuel to the fire, so to speak, here. Um it would be I would be mad if she wasn't so good at the delivery (laughs) right like it's kind of the same thing where like I like this part of Val I love yeah spicy savage Val like Mm -hmm. it just works out well for her and it it feels more natural for her like this feels very Val she's not putting on airs to try and manipulate anybody she's just like Kelly you hurt a lot of people and I'm going to call you out on it. Mm-hmm. So we take a brief step over to the beef, the beach apartment. And Donna is working on some speech. And David and Claire are, like, kind of trying to help her. But also just, like, not caring at all. Like, David says it sounds too much like a Boy Scout speech. And Claire says that after boarding school, she doesn't trust sororities. Right. So, yeah, it's like they're trying to be helpful, but they can't because they don't actually like sororities. 
Yeah. And then I wrote down that Kelly came in and said somebody took her parking space, which I expected was going to be something, and then they never brought it up again. Yeah, it was just like an introduction into Kelly, like Kelly into the scene. <laughs> yeah, but there was just no point. Like she could have literally just walked in and been like, oh, are you working on your speech? Done. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. I wrote it down expecting like, oh, maybe the person that took her parking space is going to be like the boy she dates next season. Right. Like a good little meet cute situation. Yeah, but nothing happened with it this episode. So I don't know. Maybe it comes back in the future. Maybe Kelly gets really into like being the apartment complex HOA and monitoring parking. <laughs> oh my God. I I don't know if that fits her or not, but I would like to see that. And that just shows how old I am. <laughs> but really, this is just kind of like an excuse for her to then talk about how much she hates Val because she does and so does Claire because of the whole Ray thing but then weirdly Donna's like okay come on guys like she's not that bad I didn't write down exactly what she says but like give her a break or something like that and it's like yeah. I, I, I don't I appreciate Donna always trying to find the good in people I'll just say mm -hmm. that but when we know so much better so much better about the kind of person that Val is it just I'm like mm, somebody's gotta tell her well and so my opinion about all of this stuff changes by the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at this point, I'm just like, why are they making Donna look so stupid? Right. The idea that like Val has been manipulating people left and right, including Donna's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And she's still sticking up for her. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so Donna asks Kelly like, oh, you know, let's go to Palm Springs together. When are you leaving? And Kelly says she can't come until the next day. It's nothing. But it's private, and I can't tell you why I can't come till tomorrow. Yeah, so of course, like, the second she says that, they're all like, well, what is it? Why can't you tell us? What, what's wrong? Like, like la, la, la. And then, luckily, we get a phone call from Chancellor Arnold for Claire that we don't see that conversation, but it's enough to, like, separate the gang. <laughs> well, and when the phone rings, Donna says, if it's Ray, I'm not here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they all know that they got into a big fight at uh, the end of Andrea's party last week yeah right but this is another one of those little breadcrumbs of like now donna is avoiding answering her boyfriend's phone calls like right you guys need to start paying more attention because i feel like even if i got in a fight with my boyfriend and like we hadn't talked in a few days i'd still pick up the phone because you either have to resolve it or break up yeah, and I could understand needing space. You know, like, we don't know if this was the third or fourth or tenth time Ray, Ray had tried to call and how many mm -hmm. times she'd actually talked to him. But I think, yeah, to your point, it's – if this was the first time she avoided the phone call, then maybe as a friend I probably wouldn't ask anything of it or I'd, I would just be like, you okay? You know, like something like that. But, yeah, we just don't know how many times they've talked, if there's been any resolution here – and neither do Claire and Kelly, for my understanding. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess as viewers, we have to assume this is the first time that Donna's been like, if it's Ray, I'm not here. Because yeah, we just don't know. Yeah. And we don't know how how much time has passed in between. Technically. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. But it's not Ray. But Ray is at home, apparently writing some very serious music that he says is about Luann and his dad. Yeah. And Luann comes in 
and this is like such an interesting scene because we haven't really gotten a Ray and Luann only scene in a while. And mm-hmm. that has been revealing so much more about Ray than any other scene does with any other character, right? So he mentions his dad to Luann and just mentions like they used to fight all the time. Mm-hmm. And then he drops this bomb. It's like, I know he used to push you around. And Luan's like, um, no, boy. There's a big difference between being pushed around. That dude straight up hit me. And Ray's like, well, you didn't press charges. Like, he's immediately trying to rationalize the situation. Like, okay, he hit you, but, like, you didn't do anything about it. Yeah, so it must not have been so bad if you didn't push char- press charges against him. Exactly. And she was just like... Well, he said he loved me and kind of like throws in, you know, that he kind of told her what she needed to hear or placated her or made it sound like that was a one time thing or whatever it was that, you know, abusers say to convince whether or not it's like more loving things or even threatening things. Like if you do tell anybody kind of situation, it it worked, whatever it was worked. But now that she's far removed from it. It's no longer happening. She obviously can be like, no, no, he he hit me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think we do really get a lot out of this scene of, you know, Luann saying like, well, I stayed with him because he was emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ray kind of trying to, you know, walk back all this stuff about like, well, he pushed you. He didn't hit you. Well, you didn't press charges. So it wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And he even tells Luann, he's like, I've said a lot of things that I wish I hadn't to Donna. Yeah. And I feel like both Ray and Donna in all of these scenes keep being like, we're in a bad place. Something bad is happening. And people just are not picking him, picking it up. Like, yeah, I think in this scene, this is where Luann says that Donna is romantic. So singing to her is going to make a difference, basically. Right. Like, this is kind of where... We get so I always think back to way earlier in the season when Luann essentially encourages Ray to cheat on Donna, right? Mm -hmm. It's weird advice. She gives terrible advice and it comes from a weird place because we know that she hasn't had successful relationships. Her only successful relationship that we know of is that with her son. Mm -hmm. Um, She has a dependency problem and she yeah she's just kind of up and down when it comes to being the mother that ray probably needs even though ray is like 26 or something like that Mm -hmm. and so i go back to that for this reason because she was straight up and honest to ray about what his dad was and what he did to her but then he kind of or i'm sorry she kind of encourages him to go down that same path, not necessarily saying you need to have physically hit her, but you need to make sure she believes the words that you're saying, whether they come in the form of words or songs. And that bothers me. That bothers me a lot. And now that you've brought up Luann telling him like cheat on Donna, but be discreet about it. Mm -hmm. Like now it makes me wonder if she's seen something in Ray that she saw in his dad and is like, this is me trying to protect Donna, mm. but like wanting Ray to have love. Like she wants Ray and Donna to be together because Donna's a sweet girl and she wants Ray to have things, but like, like have a good steady relationship. 
But I wonder if she also sees that like thing in Ray where mm -hmm. he's mean and she's like the way to protect Donna is to tell him like go off and like have sex with other women so that you're not hurting Donna for not having sex with you. Right. Like, yeah, that's interesting. And I have no idea. Like that could be a total retcon. I don't know. I mean, I would prefer that be the case because otherwise we're just missing out on some really important character work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, we're missing scenes or we're missing dialogue that we could have to explain this dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I would love to think that the writers put enough, de put enough depth and thought into these characters to, to give them reasons for doing what they do even if it's they're not explicitly telling us so for me i'd love to believe that that's what she's doing is she's doing this to protect donna from potentially raise parts of him that are like his dad so i'm gonna choose to believe that because that's what i would do if i were a television writer is i would make these characters so deep that even if i don't straight up say it you know what i'm talking about or you're you know what i'm doing and yeah, I think that makes Luann a much more interesting character and a much more complex character versus, yeah, just someone who has been abused, has alcohol dependency, and gives horrible advice to yeah. her son where she's completely blind to what's happening in his life. Right. Because otherwise, she's just a plot device. She's just a way to give Ray reason, right, mm -hmm. for his actions. Exactly. So after the two of them talk... We go to Dylan's house where Val has shown up and she's like, it seems like everywhere I go, someone is packing. And Dylan says, well, secretly, Val, that's because everyone's planning to escape from you. Which he probably isn't wrong. <laughs> right? I was like, mm, that's kind of fair. Like, he, we find out he's going to Maui to visit his mom and his sister instead of doing his, like, round-the-world trip. Mm -hmm. And I do think part of it, like, he's doing it to get away from Kelly and, like, everything that just happened there. But I feel like there's also this part where he's like, I also need to get away from Val and I need to stop doing this. Whatever this is, it has to stop. Yeah. And we know Dylan has escape tendencies, right? Like, he mm -hmm. he always is the one that's like, I need to just leave and clear my head, even if that meant he went to Baja to surf, you know, back in high school. Like, that is his MO is like when things get really tough or when he's realizing that things aren't going his way or the way that he's intending them to. He's like, I got to get a new change of pace. I need to see new things and get a fresh perspective. So that's very on brand for Dylan. Um, it's just as funny that it comes at the expense almost of Val. <laughs> yeah. And I do love that he's excited to go to Maui and spend time with his mom and his sister. Like mm -hmm. genuinely did not think we would ever hear her name ever again. And I love that the the writers chose to remind us that Erica used to not know how to surf or be be afraid of the water, right? Mm -hmm. And now she's super interested in surfing, can't wait for Dylan to come out and surf together and all that stuff. Like that, to me, that's why I choose to believe the bit about Luann, because I know they know this stuff and I know they remember. <laughs> it's just a matter of putting it out there and giving us the, the clues to put it together. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I think there are just a few times where we see things that they've written where we're just like, they messed this up. Yeah, right, but, right. Because no one's perfect. No one's perfect. But no, I love the little sprinklings. And I just, 
I love Iris and Erica and Dylan. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to be so adorable. And I wish we still had some more episodes because I think we'd get to see that if we did. Oh, yeah. Totally. But, you know, they keep talking and Val says that she can't go anywhere because I think I think Dylan says, like, I'm surprised you didn't try to come with me. And Val mm-hmm. says, well, I can't because Brandon needs me. <laughs> and Dylan's like, Brandon's a big boy. He doesn't need you. Yeah. And truthfully, he doesn't. And also, Val's just telling herself that so she can manipulate him into sleeping with her. <laughs> yeah. She's going to tell everyone that that's why she's staying because if she says it out loud enough times, it'll become truth. Exactly. <laughs> she also says that she didn't hear Dylan trying to convince her to go on a round-the-world trip. It's like, girl, yeah, you should know this. this like, yeah. <laughs> that ain't you. This is not going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> but yeah, so Charlie comes in, all ready to take him to the airport, but instead, <laughs> the most amazing thing happens. A paragliding company wants to invest in the script because they loved the action scene. <laughs> Can you believe And not only that, to prove how dedicated they are to making this movie, they want to take Dylan out paragliding tomorrow. Yeah. So Dylan has to cancel his flight, cancel his plans to go to Maui because some company got really into the paragliding scene that Dylan fought for. (laughs) Can you imagine Dylan's travel agent? No. She puts together this whole world trip for him and Kelly Taylor. And then like two days later, he immediately has to cancel it. When she's like, I, you booked this with like a week in advance. Do you know how much I had to do for you? Mm-hmm. Then he cancels it and he's like, no, take it all back. Cancel everything. Me and Kelly aren't going anywhere. I am going to Maui. Yep. He's packing up. The day he's supposed to leave for the airport, calls the travel agent again. I need you to cancel my flights. I have to go paragliding. <laughs> she would probably be like, I'm sorry, sir. We can't work together anymore. <laughs> I would just be like, oh, my God. I hope she gets paid on commission for, like, as she's booking things. Right, right. Not, like, after it's completely sold and, like, gone through. Oh, man. So, yeah, Dylan and Charlie are going about to embark on an adventure. Yeah, but we have to do a little bit of jumping around before we get there. Because it's dinner time now, and we find out it's not just Brandon and Val that we're going to go to the Peach Pit for dinner. It's all the Walshes, and they basically want their, like, last supper in L.A. to be at the Peach Pit. Mm-hmm. And Jim and Nat are talking up at the counter about, like, how amazing Jim has been. He's helped save the Peach Pit multiple times, which is very true. Mm-hmm. And... You know, Jim's like, oh, well, you know, what can I say? Like, you've been so great with my kids. You gave both of them jobs when they needed them. You've shown up to Brandon's intervention. (laughs) And I just got to say, like, this is really cute. I kind of love that Jim and Nat are, like, kind of friends. I just really, after Nat gave Andrea a menu just for showing (laughs) up at the Peach Pit for a couple of years – I feel like Jim deserves a present. Yeah, like at least the same present. Like Jim doesn't have to know that <laughs> Nat also gave Andrea a menu. That but... says you're my favorite dish. <laughs> exactly. He just like photocopied like 
a bunch of copies of them. <laughs> it's it's a bunch of framed things that say you're my favorite dish, Nat, and then he just writes in the name. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I do agree. He deserves something. If not, you know, a free meal, like what at least a menu. Yeah, I mean, when Brandon quit his job, he got his uniform <laughs> hung on the wall. Like Jim should get a picture on the wall for saving this place financially multiple times. For sure. But they go, you know, Jim goes to sit down. Cindy and Brandon are at the table and they're both just like kind of lecturing Brandon like, hey, while we're gone, watch out for Valerie and her incense. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially like, you got to keep an eye on her. I know you guys are the same age, but you have to keep an eye on her. Don't let her smoke too much weed or at least don't get caught and don't do anything stupid. And Cindy does throw out that she called Val's mom and said, we're moving to Hong Kong. We're selling the house. She has to find somewhere else to live. Right. And then I think Val shows up and tries to have a heartfelt moment. She missed dinner completely. It's just the coffee around. Yep. I didn't write it down because I was just like, Val's very late. Yeah. It didn't matter. She comes up. She's like, well, goodbye. <laughs> basically <laughs> pretty much she was just like oh no i missed dinner sorry mm -hmm. well anyway have a good flight exactly like talk to you and never <laughs> so after dinner we do another cut we jump over to the beach apartment and on streaming and presumably on the dvds too we cut immediately to after ray has finished serenading donna and being like mm -hmm. so what do you think Yep. And luckily, Jamie Walters posted this scene on YouTube. It is a song that Ray has written called Donna. And the lyrics are very obvious. Oh, dear. They're very obvious. I didn't write them down because I don't want to mock them on the off chance that Jamie Walters wrote them. And like, oh, yeah. It was trying very hard to be like, this is meant for the scene. This is supposed to be plot development. But like this mm -hmm. is like, Donna, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'll never <laughs> yell at you again. I said things I didn't mean. Please forgive me. So it was like literally writing a conversation. Pretty much. It was very on purpose and obvious words. And he, you know, finishes saying he's like, you can yell at me if you want. Yeah. And she says like, no, we've done enough yelling. I don't want to yell anymore. Yeah, but she does say, like, he really scared her, you know, like, when he, he you know, yells at her and talks back to her, all this kind of stuff, it, it hurts her feelings and it makes her upset and, and afraid. Yeah, and I don't think Luann meant to give him a script on how to get Donna back, but he says, right. you know, I scared myself. I didn't know how much I needed you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get you back. I love you. Like, emotional manipulation to the letter yeah I mean this is the kind of language that a Donna probably needs to hear in terms of not feeling scared or not feeling um upset but it's the wrong time right you don't need to hear this language right after you're being yelled at and um forced to leave and you know whatever you need to hear this on the regular just like as you're chilling you know, at your beach apartment or mm -hmm. on your way 
to a show, you know, like you need to hear these little, like, I love you. I'll do whatever it takes. Like I do anything for you. Like you need to hear that kind of stuff. Not when you're trying to apologize for things. Yeah. And not after every time he's been like, no, I came back to LA for you and you need Mm -hmm. to spend this time with me. Like he says that so much more often than he says, I love you. I, I need you so much in my life. Like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make you happy. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sure he says it in the lyrics, but in what we see in streaming, I don't think he actually says the words, I'm sorry. Yeah, he doesn't say it very often um, in general. He usually just says the whole, like, I need you. Like, the, like he's trying to rationalize what he did rather than apologize for it. Yeah, I just care about you so much. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed a lot in this show is that characters, when they apologize, just rarely use the words, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm really wondering if it's just like a writing choice where they're like, we're gonna we're gonna have them apologize in a creative way and not use yeah. these actual two words. But I'm like, it I in my opinion, an apology doesn't count unless you use the words and then fucking change your behavior. Yeah. Which no one else does in the show anyway. Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with the words I love you. Like they almost in a lot of shows don't want to overuse I love you because perhaps it's just not as interesting, right? But I'm like, if TV writers heard the amount of times I say I love you to not just Nate, but everybody, like, they would understand, no, this isn't overuse. Like, people just use the language if that's how they feel, right? Like, I don't need to come up with some creative way to tell Nate I love him. He his love language is Axiferis, so I'll go do laundry later and he'll be super happy. But I'll also tell him I love him about 57,000 times today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just how it is. So I'm okay. I'm cool with the creativity and the poetry and, and symbolism and all that stuff. But every now and then it's kind of nice to hear the words. Yeah. yeah I'm maybe- pretty sure I love you is like my most used phrase of my entire <laughs> life. I'm pretty sure I've already said it to John three times today, and it's noon, and he left the house at, like, 1030. Sometimes I say it three times in, like, 10 seconds. I don't (laughs) – you know, it's just – I think this morning, I don't know if it was quite 10 seconds, but it was, like, Nate was – he had to get up in the middle of the night a bunch to take Noodle outside because she's feeling, like, tummy upset, and – So this morning he came downstairs all tired and stuff. And I was like, I need to go finish my episode. Why don't you stay down here? I'll go away so you can relax. I love you. And then I poured my coffee. I love you. And then I got my breakfast. I love you. Like three times in just shifting what I was doing. (laughs) So maybe I overuse it. I don't think that's a bad thing. But Mm -mm. I'm cool to hear I'm sorry and I love you in a TV show. Yeah, for real. Just writers. Go back and change things. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Re-release this. (laughs) No, but I do love these ideas that like, yeah, maybe they're trying to be creative about it and maybe they were trying to like not overuse it because people on this show mess up multiple times an episode. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, maybe they were like, we can't have them give like a true apology of I'm sorry, this is how I messed up and this is how I'm going to change my behavior. Mm-hmm. if only because they're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, at times, like the times that you do hear the words, they come at a pretty impactful time. So it's not like they're unimportant when they're being said. So on the other hand, it's 
maybe they do that on purpose, like you guys said, because it's like they're trying to show this is a mistake that kind of keeps happening. But then when they actually say those words, they really mean it and the behavior does change. Mm -hmm. Okay. I do like that. I like this thought. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, yeah, we can accept this for now. But basically, in order to kind of like answer the I'll do I'm willing to do whatever it takes Donna's like hmm okay got it (laughs) go with me to Palm Springs cheer on me while I do my speech and show that you actually care about what's going on in my life beyond I'm your girlfriend which honestly bare minimum yeah yeah ridiculous and I mean we know that Ray has been like no drop everything that you're doing to come go on tour with me and like yeah your stuff doesn't matter I don't like your friends I don't like your family Mm -hmm. bare minimum that he has to go to an all-inclusive paid vacation resort weekend and listen to one three-minute speech that's all he's being asked to do it's wild yeah so we got back to Casa Walsh uh, Val and Brandon have come back from dinner and that real estate agent is just in the house. Just taking over. Just having open houses, having people come in and out all hours of the day. No big deal. This girl is working for her commission. <laughs> and she's like, real estate doesn't sleep. Which I guess, fair. Especially yeah. when you're in LA, I guess, or Beverly Hills. Yeah, I mean, she's, like, talking at them. She's like, we're going to have an all-out blitz over the weekend. All these people are going to come in. You're totally going to get an offer. Mm-hmm. And so Val and Brandon decide, like, we got to go to Palm Springs. Val's saying, I'll drive, or better yet, we'll take my car. You can drive, and mm-hmm. we'll just go to Palm Springs. And then Val does her Val thing and says, well, I think I'm going to turn in. And Brandon says, sleep tight. And she looks at him and goes, who said anything about sleeping? Girl, like, I don't know what you're doing. I have ideas, but girl. <laughs> She's going to go uh, light some incense and breathe heavily. <laughs> I, I love that. When, they're, like, I could hear her breathing in the next room waiting for me. Oh, my God. How, I mean, honestly, that probably is a pretty, like, high uh, – self-control you know you got going on there especially if i mean god if it was steve he'd be in there before she even like after she said who said anything about sleeping <laughs> all right he would just be following her upstairs yeah he's like a dog man not even she would just go up the stairs to her room and open the door and find him in her bed <laughs> right how'd you like, get in here so fast i right? went up the stairs first <laughs> it's a cartoon with like the puff of dust <laughs> yeah it's like roadrunner me me and just lands on the bed. Uh, but we cut away, and it's the next day, and we have to see what everyone is doing. We have a lot going on today. Mm-hmm. Kelly has driven back out to the burn hospital because Allison is getting released today, and Kelly is picking her up and taking her back to L.A. And I got to say, for how long Allison was in the hospital and all of the skin grafts and second-degree burns all over her face – I don't know what this says about the makeup budget or the choices of the show, but she looks perfect. She really does. The only visible, I guess, scarring you can see is kind of on the side of her face near her jawline. 
But just like Kelly's was, it looks really good and consistent to how scarring, you know, looks mm-hmm. and things like that. So I also just kind of love whether or not it was an acting choice by the actress who plays Allison. She's a very smiley person. And mm-hmm. I kind of love that. And I think, honestly, if I were an actress, I don't know that I could control my smiling in certain times, like when I'm, if I were acting in a scene. So maybe it's not an acting choice and just a reflex <laughs> to just smile the whole time. But whatever it is, I love it. She's a very smiley person. And I love that. I mean, Allison has always been a fairly positive person. Like, right. You know, she's always been like very thankful and very like, you know, we have to thank God for the gifts that he's given us. Like, mm. I think it's just in her nature to be positive and to smile. Smiling is her favorite. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, Kelly has picked her up, is checking her out, and they're going to go back to the beach apartment because Allison is spending the night. Yeah, she is. I feel like this whole episode, every time Allison said things, I was like, you're falling in love. You're falling in love. Just let it happen. I think, and this is a good thing, that because of how, you know, queer representation is getting so much better these days on television and film, that my 2021 brain was just waiting for it to happen, right? Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. please happen. I'm willing it. I'm manifesting uh, Callison? Kellison? Ooh, I like Kellison. Kellison? Yeah. I'm manifesting it to happen, but then I had to remind myself, this is 1995 and we already had a Kyle. So we're just lucky that Allison exists. (laughs) Honestly, we're also very lucky that there's not just like, I mean, there is gay panic, but there's not like massive gay panic. Right. In this episode, in this storyline, let's be very clear. We are talking about the storyline and not. Yeah. And and let's be real. I was probably doing more of the gay panic than (laughs) Kelly or Allison were. (laughs) Well, that's because we're like ready for we're like yes. get the get the U-Haul, there's space <laughs> in the apartment. Pack them up in the Subaru. Let's get this thing rolling. <laughs> Put on some flannel and get comfortable. <laughs> oh, I would love it. Get comfortable. <laughs> in Palm Springs, Steve and his dad, they're not golfing. No. But they're playing doubles. Mm-hmm. And they're playing doubles with uh I cannot remember her name. I wrote down University of Miami instead of her name. Robin. Robin. They're playing doubles with Robin and her dad. And Brendan and Val just like show up on the court to come say hi. Mm-hmm. I guess just to interrupt the game. And essentially, this is just an opportunity for Steve to complain to Brandon about all the girls that Rush has tried to set him up with and that all the girls he has tried – have a lot of baggage, like Steve has no baggage. Well, and I don't think Steve understands the phrase baggage because he says they have baggage, but he means that Rush has ulterior motives. Right, exactly. Uh, I also would like to note that Brandon calls Robin foin. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that was a 90s term. <laughs> and maybe it wasn't. He just, like, said it. Did Brandon start – or did Jason Priestley start this? I don't know, but it was the second time in this episode that a male character turned an I 
into an oi. Because Steve, like, when he first, like, got to Palm Springs or something, said noise. <laughs> I miss the noise. Noise is one of my favorite ways to say <laughs> nice. <laughs> I got to be honest. So this whole episode, they've given me the things that we, like, constantly crave. Brandon and Steve being really good friends. Brandon and Dylan being, like, just, like, interesting male conversation even mm-hmm. if it's just about women like this is not going to pass a reverse Bechdel test which let's be honest most things do but they're like only talking about women and then when they even leave the court because Steve does not want to go to breakfast with Robin and her dad and Rush like they're talking about Val and this is where Steve calls her the vampirist and Brandon talks about how he could hear her breathing in the other room and Steve also calls Val a man-eater And the show just really loves insults. Yeah. And here's me sitting over here like, yeah, she is, you know, like using (laughs) it as a way to like pump her up, you know, and and because for all of the, I guess, for lack of a better term, slut shaming that is present in most shows, not just this one, but most Mm -hmm. shows in regards to women and their sexuality. It's almost just understood that Val is a sexual being and she's comfortable with it. So because she's comfortable with it, they can use words like man-eater and vampiress and things like that and refer to her potentially doing you-know-what in the other room, breathing heavily. (laughs) That gives me more, like, I don't know, safety to be able to be like, yeah, she is, you know, instead of taking it the way of like, well, they're just shaming her or something like that. Um, but again, that's the difference between a show that was written in the nineties and a show that would be written now. Now, I love that attitude though, of just being like, hell yeah, she is. Yeah. She's comfortable in her body and she's comfortable in using it. I exactly. No problem, with that. no problem at all. And then we get this weird moment where Munce walks up and he's got like weed killer spray bottles on his back <laughs> yeah. and holsters because he's carrying around margarita in one and slow gin fizz in the other. Yep. Which, gotta be honest, sounds disgusting. Oh, it sounds terrible. There's no refrigeration system here. This is just warm margarita and warm gin fizz. <laughs> and, like, it's being sprayed aggressively into your mouth. Exactly. Because, yeah, Steve is like, oh, yeah, give me some of that. And then Brandon who never drinks and who we only see drink when it's a problem mm-hmm. is like, yeah, give me some gin. Yep. What a choice. What even is a slow gin fizz? One that comes in a Roundup bottle? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I will say I kind of appreciate the fact that Munz is just trying to keep everybody happy. You know, like he's not out there like getting like he's not spraying it all in his mouth. Right. He's just like, hey, you want some? You want some? You want some? Are you happy? Are you happy? And I kind of love that about months. But yeah, it is an aggressive form of alcohol delivery system. (laughs) It it really is. But I guess he's just, yeah, having fun. He got into mixology with his brain drinks. That's right. He can't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. So we get to the front of the resort. And Ray and Donna have finally shown up. And somebody's trying to get the bags out of the truck. And Ray's like, no, 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 I'll get that. And Donna says, literally his job, you are here to relax. 
and they are here to help you relax by like doing chores for you. Yep. But Ray has very clearly never been to a resort. He's not used to people carrying stuff for him. Like he's already on edge and then this valet is like grinding gears while he's trying to shift to get the truck out of the way. Mm -hmm. Like quite literally he shows up and is immediately in a sour mood. Yeah, and that's to be expected. Like it, you know, what we've seen of Ray is he says one thing and then does the opposite, or he says one thing and maybe participates or does that thing for a minute, but then, uh, you know, reverts back pretty quickly. So it's just frustrating at this point because we've seen Donna try and give him chances, and time and time again, he just drops the ball or he gets angry or he just does opposite of what he says he'll do. Yeah, I mean, he's immediately like, look, this is a mistake. I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. And quite she- frankly, Donna should have been like, fine. Yeah, but she insists that he stays. And then I don't know if this was a surprise to him, like it was a surprise to us, but Celeste is here. You mean Felice? Felice. Oh, my God. I wish Celeste was here. <laughs> yeah, right. I called- if only. <laughs> I called her Celeste for the rest of my notes. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. If only. If only. I would have lost. Could you imagine if Celeste showed up with her new husband and was like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a keg boy. Oh, my God. And Steve if he was a keg boy, yes, and Steve was, but he wasn't good. Oh, my gosh. So, like, the first time we see Big Hat Lady, I literally thought it was just Celeste in a big hat. I wish. I wish, too. I Yeah. Missed opportunity. Especially given what we end up finding out about Big Hat Lady. Oh, my God. I wish they had taken it in literally any other direction. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but but we'll get there. Yeah. Yep. Luckily, Felice is here instead. <laughs> and she's immediately just felicing all over the place. She's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, Donna's dance card is full because this is a keg alpha event. Right. So she's already looking down on Ray. Ray already hates everything about where he is and what he's supposed to be here for. So that doesn't help. Um, They already hate each other. So this is just going to be a ball. Yeah. It's going to be a great weekend. And Donna, even like her her face, she's like, Mm -hmm. my God, this was all a huge mistake. My mother can't stop. My boyfriend's in a bad mood. Yep. So we, we take a break from that story to go over to a very drunk Brandon. He is just begging months to give him more and more alcohol. And yeah, he's so drunk. He cannonballs into the pool and just starts splashing Steve in the middle of their volleyball game. And I mean, he's a little fun. He's kind of like fun Bobby, but like mm, a little annoying too. He's at that point. Well, it's very weird that Steve just picks him up and starts dunking him. So many times. I mean, he's so little. Like, he's so easy. <laughs> I did write, Steve plays with him like a baby? Yes, like he's his little son. <laughs> but they finally, like, they're doing that. He's dunking him over and over, just like flipping little teeny Brandon around. Mm-hmm. And Val is over on the other side of the pool talking to Robin. And they're talking about Steve. And she's like, oh, if you like him, you should go for him. Right, because essentially she's just making sure that she's occupado, so nobody is setting her sights on Brandon. Yeah, and that Steve is distracted and can't stop her from setting her sights on Brandon. Exactly. 
And so Robin does go for it. Like she climbs on some guy's shoulders and like starts talking to Steve like, oh, well, I'm breaking the rules. What are you going to do about it? Right, right. Which is good on her. Like, yeah, like go for it. And meanwhile, like after Brandon has been sufficiently dunked in the pool a hundred times, he decides to do a chicken fight and lift Donna on his shoulders. So and then essentially a giant chicken fight starts just from nowhere. And Ray has been watching this entire time. He's grimacing the entire time because we see Donna in a really cute bathing suit. She looks fantastic in it. And all of a sudden, Felice comes over, notices, you know, everybody in the pool or whatever, but specifically bashes Donna's bathing suit because it's showing off her excellent body. I, You know, well, she's being and- a mother, I guess. The thing that's the thing, it's not that immodest of a bathing suit, and she is like fully supported in it, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're not even trying to make this like a sexy bathing suit where it's like it's not fully covering like the under boobs, so you're just like, right, oh, maybe it flies. Like, she's fully supported mm-hmm. in all of this, and it fits her well, like, there's no issues here, but. Yeah, Felice is talking about like how revealing it is. And Ray's like, well, you better sit down because I agree with you. It's awful. Like this is the thing they agree on, controlling Donna. I know. And like Felice even like digs in on that point. She's like, if you can convince her to wear other clothes, we're going to get along fabulously. Essentially giving Ray permission to control her daughter. Exactly. And so much so that Ray's like, Okay, challenge accepted. Gets a towel and demands that Donna get out of the pool. And like, I'm there's a whole chicken fight. There's a whole thing happening. Everyone's been drinking. I don't blame them for not noticing this. Yeah, but it upsets me so much that he just says, "Donna, get out," and nobody right. does anything. Nobody. I mean, even like, I think Felice had left at this point. But like, mm-hmm. if she had stuck around and heard that, how would she react? You know, like, would she be the whole? Well, you know, like kind of in her case, like wives should listen to their husbands. Like I can imagine that would be, especially from a religious aspect, I could see her having that point of view. But would she? I mean, Charity doesn't like Ray. They found one piece of common ground. Mm -hmm. Is that enough? Right? But I Mm -hmm. mean, with Ray, we've seen all these little breadcrumbs dropped, you know, for a few episodes now of just abusive behavior, whether it's in his words, now it's starting to be his actions, you know, it's his attitude is bad all the time when it comes to Donna, especially around her friends and around the environment that he's not accustomed to. So it, yeah, it just sucks all around. Yeah. But we don't even see what happens after this. Like Donna gets out of the pool. She walks away with him. And then we see Brandon and Steve kind of like break away from the party and go sit on the stairs and just talk about like Steve saying he doesn't want Robin. Brandon saying, well, I don't really want Valerie, but like, my willpower is basically to zero, so who knows what's going to happen. Right. Which this is so familiar to uh, – what is it? Walsh goes to Washington or Mr. Walsh goes to Washington mm-hmm. last season oh, where he yeah. was like – he's like, Claire wore me down. Whatever. It's like, oh, God, Brandon, you're just, you know, surrounded by women just throwing themselves at you. Poor Brandon. I know. Whatever. But – He's like, no, I got to get away from here. I can't do that. And to Steve's credit, he's just like, you can't do that. We need to get you out of here. Right. And so Munz comes over and says they're out of beer. And they're just like, oh, my God, perfect excuse. 
we'll go get it. Exactly. And there is another scene like for that. So I'm going to, I want to come back to the one in between just because I think it makes more sense. But Mm -hmm. essentially they're going to go buy beer. Steve basically says he doesn't get a boner for Robin. And now this causes Brandon to reconsider hooking up with Val. He's already in this like probably 15 minute car ride. Been like, you know what? Never mind. I'll probably hook up with her. (laughs) They pull up to the gas station this woman that Steve saw earlier is across the street shopping and they just start ogling her. Like Steve is like, oh my God, that's her. That's the goddess. You can't look. It's don't look, don't look. You're going to make it too obvious. And I, I do like Brandon saying, if I turn into a pillar of salt, just use me for margaritas. I got to look. <laughs> I did too. Cause again, these are times when Brandon does have good little one-liners and when he's like witty. Yeah. He's like, I may turn into a pillar of salt. And if I do, please use me for margaritas. <laughs> it's so adorable. Yeah. Not and- why, but like just what he says is kind of cute. Yeah. The, like the two of them being little friends yeah. is adorable. Them like being so male gazy and the camera as a result yes. being so male gazy while this woman is leaning into her car made me Not cute. like, you know, you get some acid reflux. Like I felt really gross just watching this. Yeah. Miss me with that completely. <laughs> completely. And they're like kind of grunting about like, Ugh, yeah, Ugh. yeah, that part was gross. But them being like, oh my God, can't look, you can't look, just don't look at her. I have to look. Yeah. That's cuter because at least it's, People do that. Yeah. People do that. Yeah. So, yeah, in between that last scene and this one, we have to go back to L.A. because Dylan has gone paragliding in off-screen spell. Mm-hmm. And now and so, they're watching footage of it. Yeah. We're watching Dylan watch a video of Dylan paragliding. <laughs> and he gets mad because Charlie never got a close-up, so you don't actually know that that's Dylan paragliding. Which is that just meta? (laughs) I think it is. I just, I love it. But so apparently the paragliding company is like all in. That deal is closed. They pretty much just need another million dollars to close the deal. Mm -hmm. Charlie says, I got a guy. He can give us the rest of the money. We just got to go meet him. And... Dylan's like, there's a catch. There's got to be a catch. No one just gives you a million dollars. Charlie says, there's no catch. He just wants to meet us. He just wants to talk. And maybe he wants his girlfriend to be in the movie, but that's fine. We just need to meet him. Yeah. And Dylan immediately, like, red flags go up and he's like, well, just a part though, right? Not the lead. And it made me think of that meme, um, the Star Wars meme with Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman (laughs) when it's like, you didn't promise the lead, right? And then it's just him, like, Charlie looking Smiley. back at Dylan. He's like, you didn't promise the lead, right? <laughs> <laughs> and also in L.A., Kelly has made such a fiery dinner for Allison. No pun intended. Uh, but also, there's candles on the table and a fire in the fireplace. <laughs> and she set dessert on fire. And creme brulee, doesn't it mean – what does Allison say? It means like – Like burnt burnt, sh- burnt cream. Yeah. So no ifs, ands, or buts about this. It's about fire. <laughs> but luckily Allison's like, no, no, it's fine. I'm not concerned at all. And it's just like making googly eyes 
at Kelly. And to be fair, Kelly's kind of making googly eyes back at her. Ugh, I know. It's like, is it there or is it not? In my brain, it was there. I mean, they are sitting at a candlelit dinner having a very, like, romantic dessert with music playing in the background and Claire and David watching from outside. It's fine. All I got to say is this ain't no peach pit. So. No. This is not a peach. This is a date. This is a hardcore date. And Claire and David are like, yeah, that's a date. Like, they don't say it, but that's definitely what they're thinking. They And they think Kelly and Allison want a bone. Like, they're just all awkward and like, what is happening here? And so Kelly actually sees them, confronts them, and is like, you know, yep, I'm not in Palm Springs, but come on in. Like, she's like, I've been caught. Can't really get around this. And I'm so surprised at how awkward Claire reacts. Like, I, I would it. have thought she would have been like, oh, what do we have going on here? And kind of like messing with her. But no, she's just like, I don't like this. I need to go get my suitcase. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, hi. Bye. Yeah. Like, she's so awkward. And David's actually kind of cool about it. Like, he's still awkward, but he's just being like, hey, I'm David. And Allison's like, you already said that, bud. Yeah. She's like, I kind of gathered that you were David and she was Claire. That's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, it's this like really weird little moment and they bail. And so Kelly and Allison start talking about their feelings because Kelly's like, oh my God, they think it's a date. And Allison's like, well, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense. <laughs> and like Kelly's reaction in this moment is to smile Right. Like, oh, my God, you do? Like, <laughs> yeah. I I guess the actual words she says are good, though, because, you know, she's talking about it from a perspective of we do have that shared trauma. So it would be weird if we didn't think about each other. And she admits that she does think about Allison. Maybe it's not in the same way that Allison thinks about her, but she she at least is very open about this experience right and mm-hmm. Allison's like well yeah like I get that but also like my feelings for you are actually real yeah and so yeah Kelly like smiles it kind of looks like she makes eyes at Allison but then we cut away from that scene without really resolving what happens um there's a scene in between back at the keg alpha Palm Springs but I think we can just go right back to Kelly and Allison okay Because Kelly's making up the couch, and she's, like, you know, putting down everything so that Allison can sleep there. And she goes to her room, and Allison is standing there looking in the mirror at this dress that she's wearing because apparently Kelly also took her shopping and bought her a bunch of clothes. I'm like, you trying to make her your sugar baby, Kelly? This is not a good way to just drop feelings. (laughs) Right? Like, no, we're just friends, but I'm going to pick you up at the hospital, make you a romantic dinner, take you shopping. Like... Girl, we all know where this is going. Except you. (laughs) Except you. And so Allison kind of like not confronts her but straight up asks her. She's like, hey, how come your friends didn't know I was going to be here? Like, what's going on there? And Kelly doesn't really have an answer. She's kind of like, you know, I just wanted this to be us. Like I didn't want to make it weird by like telling other people about it essentially is I think what's going on. She doesn't really have an answer. But then Allison says like, 
well, you know, I don't have to leave. And I'm like, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. <laughs> and I love, I love Allison shooting her shot so right. much because Kelly's like, I'm not gay. And Allison's like, you don't know if you don't try. I'm like, girl, keep going. She's going to give in. She's going to give in. Like, this is a time when I'm very pro just Allison should have kissed her. But if this had been a male character, I'd be like, don't kiss her. She's not giving you consent. She's explicitly saying no. You know, there's such conflict in my mind about this, you know? So what I want, like, the 80-20. I want Allison to say, you don't know if you don't try. Step up 80%. Yeah. Like, maybe put her hand on Kelly's hand or something. Like, not too much. Mm-hmm. And let Kelly come the extra 20 and meet her. Oh, only. <laughs> only. Like, just – just give Kelly the option. Be like, I'm here. I'm open. I took my pain pills. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I was but- really rooting for it to happen. I was like, you're so close. You're so close. You even like touch hands as you walk out the door. Pull her back. Pull her back. <laughs> uh, and like even when she walks in, like her dress isn't even fully out. And she's like, Kelly, can you come zip me up? Oh, my God. The tension. The tension. But none of that happens and Kelly leaves and Allison is just looking at herself in the mirror and we don't get it. Like Kelly is very clearly like, I know I'm straight. I'm not into it. And my dreams are just dashed. And do you wonder if Allison, after Kelly went into the living room, if Allison started breathing heavily? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like – so is this just the last we see of Allison? Is Allison just gone forever? She came back for this one episode? I don't know. I'm tempted to not look it up because I want to know, but I also want to be surprised. Right. Like, because I feel like they don't, they can't continue to really have a relationship if Kelly's going to shoot her down like this. Like, Allison yeah. just needs to move on from Kelly, even if oh, they have sure. the shared experience, but. Especially for, like, Allison's sake. Like, whatever about Kelly. Like, she'll, you know, if she really is as straight as she says, she's she's going to have plenty of opportunity. But I'm like, no, no, no. I need Allison to be, like, healthy here and going after mm-hmm. not a straight girl. Yeah, that's what I I want everyone to be happy and healthy and, like, move on. Yes. All right. So we're going to go back to Palm Springs and a lot happens. Like, we are actually going to stay in Palm Springs for a little while. Mm-hmm. Because we're at dinner. All of the Keg brothers are there. All of the Alpha sorority sisters are there. And Donna is wearing a much more modest outfit for dinner. And Felice thanks Ray for what Donna's wearing. I'm like, but this is not Donna. Like, you're looking at Donna and this is not her. Well, yeah, because, like, we don't immediately see the outfit. But then when we do, it's collared you know it's like crew neck it's Mm -hmm. not revealing whatsoever it's not even that like tight fitting or anything like that and the fact that Ray and Felice are like conspiring together on this is awful it makes me so uncomfortable like they're doing a lot they're doing Donna dirty this season oh for sure for sure and then over at the keg tables Brandon is drunk and very loud He's very loud, and it's like months. Brandon, Steve, Rush, and I forget the other Robin's dad, I guess. Mm-hmm. And 
they're like, they're like waiting for the guest speaker who's apparently a pretty important person. Um, he's late. Steve, yeah, he's late because he's off giving another speech at another convention or another panel or something. And Steve calls him a senator and Brandon's like, absolutely not, Steve, you buffoon. He is a com- congressman. <laughs> at which point Rush is just like, this boy's not even a keg brother. And Steve takes it the back of his chair and literally drags him out of the room. Yep. And Brandon, in a moment of like humor, doesn't want anyone to touch his cake, which is hilarious. And Munzel's like, I've got your cake, bro. (laughs) (laughs) He drags him outside. I got to say, I don't know why Steve was wearing the color suit he was wearing, but it fit him so much better than Brandon's suits fit him. I know. I don't know why they do this. Like they seem to tailor Steve very well, almost current you know like trends and stuff like ahead of its time so to speak and but Brandon just always wears the giant suits that like I don't know like he's never had a tailored suit before they always like have him dressed in a fucking potato sack (laughs) I feel so bad because it literally does look like he he's in suits that are way too big for him that he doesn't and maybe it's more of a um commentary on the fact that Steve can afford a tailored suit as opposed to Brandon who has to just buy what's available but but Jim has money and Jim well, wants the best for little boy Brandon I mean that's certainly true but maybe he, it's the whole like I want you to work for the money to to buy your stuff right and whereas Rush probably still gives Steve an allowance mm-hmm. I don't know. It definitely stuck out a lot more because Steve's suit is tailored more to the current style. Mm-hmm. And also he's taller. So when Brandon is wearing this like little oversized suit and is like inches shorter than Steve. Yeah. It looks like he's wearing one of Steve's hand-me-downs. Oh, poor baby. I'm like wondering if the costume department just took Jason Priestley's word on how tall he is instead of actually <laughs> measuring him. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) It would be so unprofessional, but so hilarious. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But Steve, and like, honestly, it does not help that Steve is like, no, you're drunk and you need to go to bed. Like, acting like his older brother, possibly father. Exactly. But Brandon doesn't go to bed. No, no. He goes to the hot tub. And he runs into Valerie. I love how Brandon just like starts to get into the hot tub fully clothed in his suit. And she's like, no, your bathing suit. He's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> just walks off. And I got to say, very weird moment back in his hotel room, but perfect. Yeah. The idea that he walks past the mirror and he just hears Cindy going, have you lost your mind? <laughs> You said you weren't going to fall apart on us. Like, very fitting that Jim and Cindy would just be in the mirror as hallucinations, basically shaming Brandon for letting loose and not being Boy Scout Brandon. I mean, he even says, like, I deserve this, Bender. I am always a good boy. I need to let loose. I love every moment. I love Jim being like... (laughs) Honestly, with Valerie, it's a wonder he's held out this long. And Cindy being like, shut up, Jim. It's not the yeah. point. <laughs> How dare you? And like her being like, every time you don't get your way, you're going to get self-destructive. Like, mm. I love it. They are right in Brandon's head where 
like it seems very obvious that Brandon is as good of a boy as he is because of Jim and Cindy. And the second they're gone, he's still hearing their voices in his head. Like I'm pretty certain like they don't really come back after this. They're in Hong Kong. It's a very long flight. They're not just going to come back. Mm -hmm. But I kind of would love if they just were Brandon's subconscious. Right. And it's, yeah. And it, and it makes sense. I mean, he's always trying to seek his father's approval and I doubt he actually really cares about Cindy's approval that much, but she represents the two sides of the relationship of Jim's, you know, of Jim to Brandon. Because on Mm -hmm. the one hand, Jim will be like in the third or fourth episode of the entire show where they're playing one-on-one talking about the fact that he can lose his virginity to his girlfriend upstairs. No big deal. But he can also be the kind of father that gets mad at him for buying the Mustang, you know, without him and, and, and not vetting it and doing his research and things like that and wants him to go into a career in politics. So it's less about Cindy and more like what or or who rather Cindy represents. So totally makes sense, like why they would still be hanging around and they can't hang around any longer physically because they're in Hong Hong Kong. So I do love that they did that as weird as it was. It was so weird. And then Val comes in and is like, who are you talking to? He's like, what? Who said that? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it made me want to go back. I didn't do it. I wanted to go back and rewatch the scene and just listen to what Brandon says and imagine Mm -hmm. Val walk in and just hearing Brandon drunkenly being like, I deserve this bender. Yeah, it's like he's giving himself a pep talk. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Rather than like talking back at Amir who's trying to talk him out of what he's doing. Exactly. And back downstairs – Dinner has finally ended for real for everybody else. And Ray and Donna come out. They're very excited about, like, Ray is so excited about going horseback riding tomorrow because he's he loves the desert, but this is not his desert. Mm-hmm. His desert is being outside and, like, doing all his stuff. And Donna invites him to come to her room for a little while. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kiss, kiss. Yeah, and Ray all of a sudden, because he's so buddy-buddy with Felice now, is all, well, your mom's next door. like you know, aren't the walls kind of thin, basically, essentially turning her down without saying he doesn't want to hang out with her, you know, like Mm -hmm. he's blaming it on the fact that his or her mom is nearby. And Donna's just like, whatever, like, she's so clearly annoyed by the whole situation. She's almost regretting asking him to come here with her, like all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we go over like, because we see basically like Ray has been staying with Steve. Mm -hmm. Um, bunking together in the same room and so we see steve talking to robin and donna's like well looks like steve room steve is not going back to his room anytime soon kind of insinuating like why don't they go to ray's room instead and we just Mm -hmm. don't see a resolution on that yeah because we have to go over to steve who's actually apologizing to robin for the way he's been acting but then she makes a comment that rush and her dad are putting together a business deal and completely shuts steve back down yep exactly So we go back outside and Brandon is getting into the hot tub and it's too hot for his little boy body. (laughs) And Val's like, stop being a baby and just get in. Do you want some marijuana? And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, well, you might as well come over here because like people are all about to come back. 
and right on cue, Munz is leading the world's like longest conga line, chanting about getting in the hot tub, but never actually getting in the hot tub. <laughs> Keep that hot tub hubbin, humming. We are all a coming. Ridiculous. No, you're not. <laughs> you're I doing love, a drive-by is what you're doing. I love Munz, the, the party guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just, just wants to make people happy. So the next morning, like this is like the longest weekend in the existence of weekends. Yeah. And we haven't even gotten through like half of it yet. I know. <laughs> so we go back to LA and Charlie and Dylan have gone to the investor's house. Boomy has come with them. Mm-hmm. And they go inside and they're talking to this guy and he's like, oh yeah, we just have so much fun up here. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. You're going to spend the night. And I'm thinking... Why are you spending the night at this man's house? Yeah, it makes no sense. That's that's weird. And his girlfriend is outside. He goes to talk to her and Dylan asks Charlie, he's like, why does this man have bodyguards? And so Tom says, well, he's in vending machines. <laughs> Which I, I guess what? means that he's in the mob. Yeah, like import ex he should have just said import export business. Like which I think is exactly what Dylan says. He's like, you might as well have just said like the obvious mob answer and not just exactly. in vending machines. Exactly. Which I guess I didn't realize that vending machines are code word for mafia. Yeah, or like mule, you know, so to speak, like whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But he's apparently connected and so Dylan's on high alert, as he should be. Back in Palm Springs. Donna and Ray are out horseback riding, and Ray is just talking about how the desert has changed so much in the last few years because rich people came in and put in swimming pools. Just complain, Whatever. complain, 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 yeah. complain. Yeah. And then, like, Donna's horse kind of acts up, and Ray's like, well, you're holding the horse wrong. This is your fault. Right. And he tries to give Donna some juice. <laughs> I just – it was really funny to me. He's like, do you want some water, some juice? <laughs> But she wants to head back because her mom is giving a speech this morning and she's on a panel and she can't miss – like Donna cannot miss this. And Ray immediately gets furious. He's like, we've only been out here an hour. To which I'm thinking, okay, you have another hour to go back. Right. Exactly. And the point of the weekend is not you, Ray. It's the Alpha Keg convention. Like that's the whole point. Like she invited you. To give you another chance, not yeah. to monopolize your time. Which, yeah, Donna made very clear. She was like, you're going to come with me to my keg alpha weekend. Mm -hmm. And now he's just like, I cannot believe you're doing this to me. Everything is about you. All I wanted this one thing, which has taken literal hours. Mm -hmm. He's all snippy. Yeah, and like – he makes comments about her bathing suit yesterday and the fact that she just wants all the other boys to leer at her and he's not being a priority. And Donna's like, what the hell? Like, I don't care about any of that. Like, I literally bought that bathing suit because I thought you would think I look good in it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And then, like, she finally realizes, okay, I'm not going to die on that hill today. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, fine. If you want me to dress differently, I'll dress differently. That's fine. But I need to get back for my mom's panel. This is the one thing I cannot miss this weekend besides my own speech. And Ray just like doesn't give her anything back. He says, if you loved me, I'd be higher on your list of priorities. 
Exactly. He pulls that same language that's like, if you love me, blah, 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 blah. And unfortunately, because it has worked before, it keeps working. And like, we don't really see Donna relent, but she's late later and completely misses her mother's panel. So presumably she gave in and they go on a very long horseback ride. Yeah, like enough to last, I guess, at least the hour it would take from that point to get them back, as well as however long the panel actually is, because I'm just going to skip over. And we see Felice giving the end of her panel and says something very gross. Says, well, they call us elitists and they're not entirely wrong. I don't love that. Um, And Kelly is there at the panel, so we know that she's arrived at the convention and we finally see Donna and Ray showing up as Felice is ending the panel and applause is happening. And so whenever they confront each other, like Felice is really upset that Donna missed it as Donna knew she would be. Ray tries to blame the situation on himself and, and kind of say it was my fault. I really wanted I took the wrong path, like whatever. But mm-hmm. Felice is like, yeah, I see what you're trying to do. This is not OK. Yeah. Don't try and protect her. She missed the panel. She knew she was supposed to be at. Right. So now both like she was stuck in a rock between a rock and a hard place because it's like upset the abuser or upset the other abuser. Yeah. And so Felice kind of storms off and Kelly says, don't worry. I'll tell you what she said. You can go talk to her about it. It'll all blow over. And Ray, even at this point, is like, yeah, I'm going to sit that one out. Bye. Yeah. He's like, I'm sick of Steve. I don't like being rooming with Steve. I'm not going to go hang out with Brandon and I'm not going to have anything to do with the lame ass keg stuff. Yeah, it's just on and on and on, Ray being a dick. Like, I am surprised Donna has not, like, exploded at this point. Seriously, like, it, she must have, like, stomach ulcers from trying right. to keep this stuff contained. And the idea that Kelly is standing right there and sees all of this, just like she has seen it over and over and over again before, it's really upsetting me. Yeah, and it, it makes me wonder if, like, because Donna's taken up for him, you know, so many times and almost like told Kelly and told everybody else to like give him a chance and all this kind of stuff. I wonder, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for Kelly. I'm just literally trying to like figure out why there hasn't been mentions or like Mm -hmm. interruptions. Because I wonder if like Kelly is like, well, it's not my place anymore. I tried to say something. I tried to do something about it and Donna shut it down. Like, I don't want to risk my friendship with Donna you know, like it's it's a slippery slope as a friend to interfere in your best friend's relationship. I think that's valid. I also think Kelly has uh, been more intuitive in yeah. the past about these things. I mean, she's a psychology major and they have not shied away from that at all. Right. I think she is also, you know, been very – like she's been a bitch to Val the whole time. Right. And she's been right about it. And like nobody bats an eye. And Val is not Donna. Like Donna is her best friend. But I feel like the Kelly that I'm expected to see, I'm expecting to see, would notice all this stuff and would say something. Yeah. Especially the second Donna ends up in the hospital. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Um, And I, I just wonder what the the point is right and there's got to be one I mean we have said repeatedly like (laughs) these are professional tv writers there is a point to this even if it is just to advance the Donna Ray abuse plot like there is a point sure 
And to be fair, like Kelly has some other stuff going on in her life because her ex-boyfriend is very hungover in the pool and her other ex-boyfriend is bringing him a ton of hangover cures. (laughs) Or at least attempting to. None of them are quite working. I love that he runs off. He's like, oh, ibuprofen didn't work. Ice packs didn't work. Vitamin B didn't work. I'll go figure something else out. Yeah. And so Claire and David show up and Brandon asks, oh, does that mean that Kelly's here? And Claire just immediately runs away. She's like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And uh, yeah, Brandon's like, well, so I take it you haven't seen her either. And David's like all squirrely, but ends up like talking to Brandon more because Brandon gets it out of him. And he asks if uh, Kelly was with Dylan. And he's like, nope, nope, pretty sure she wasn't with Dylan. And he's like, David? And she's like, he's like, well, yeah, she wasn't with Dylan because she was with Allison. And Brandon's just fixated on Allison. He's like, Allison, 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 Allison. (laughs) And Steve comes back at this point and is like, Tabasco sauce. And Brandon says, no, beer. Yeah. Which, to be fair, that's like a thing. Like you're hungover, you drink some beer, your hangover kind of goes away because you are already inebriated again. Right. It's kind of a thing. But they're all hung up on like, oh, Allison is a lesbian and they all know that. And so they're like jumping to the vast conclusion that Kelly has not left Brandon for herself or for Dylan, but that she has left him for Allison. Which is where that gay panic comes in of just like, I can't believe she left me for a woman. Right, right. So Brandon proceeds to get hammered. Again. And and he is with the Keg brothers making prank phone calls. Because <laughs> this is what you do in the 90s. <laughs> it was so dumb. And Kelly finds out that he's here and he's been drinking. And he's been with the Keg brothers. She goes to the Hacienda where they're all staying and is like, Brandon, can I speak to you for a minute? Which, not a good idea because he's upset and drunk, which means he is mean to her. Yep. And just, like, she confronts him, and then he responds with, like, oh, so you left me for a girl. Like, he's just being rude. Yeah, he's pouring all this on, saying, like, oh, I forgot you don't like guys anymore. Like, Brandon, like, whoa, sir. And I will say, I mean, even in their fighting, like, chemistry still jumps off the screen, you know, between Kelly and Brandon, because Kelly's giving it back to him. You know, like, she's not really tolerating this, so to speak. But of course, Val drives up in a golf cart without the uh, roof and immediately Malone's Kelly. Like, I got that room we wanted. Yeah. She's like, hey, Brandon, don't forget, I have a room with your name on it. And then she just looks at Kelly and is like, don't worry, Kelly, it's a two bedroom suite. <laughs> we just won't be using the other bedroom. What? Who said that? Who said that? And then, yeah, he just like gets up on the golf cart and Val giggles as they drive away. I know, because Kelly says something and he gets in the golf cart and he's like, well, she really showed me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was a pretty it was a pretty good scene. Like, I hated all the insults that Brandon threw her way, but it was a good scene. I mean, because they all have such good chemistry together. Right. Like, exactly. they are all so good at their job. Yep. After uh, prank calls, Steve has to go play tennis again, which – 
I'm starting to realize that the Keg brothers are only here to like play tennis, go golfing and drink. And the Alpha sisters have to go sit in conference rooms dressed up and listen to panels about moral values. Exactly. It's very double standardy. It's very sexist. But they go play doubles. There's some arguing over how Steve doesn't want to date this girl. Whatever. I didn't write anything down because they just keep playing tennis over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, like, Steve finally asks Rush about, like, why um, he set Robin up with her or with him. And, you know, I know about your business deal. And Rush is like, what are you talking about? I wanted you to meet a nice girl for a change. I think he, like, calls her a dreamboat. I'm like, okay, you don't think any of the other people Steve has dated or had a crush on hasn't been a dreamboat? I, I don't – this isn't – this isn't hitting with me. No, it's really not. And – like, there's a couple Brandon and Steve things that I think we can, like, breeze through at least a few of them, mm-hmm. mostly because this story ends very horribly and I want to get through it as fast as possible. Sure. So Steve goes outside and he finds Brandon in Val's car. And he's like, oh, yeah, I told her I'd go get gas. I'm going to go into town and get some necessities, which I read as condoms. Same. Personally. And he's like, at this point, there's no turning back. Do you want to just go with me? Yep. So they get to the gas station. Steve is now mad he blew it with Robin, but that's short-lived because they magically see the quote-unquote goddess and the caddy. And and perfect opportunity for Steve to go shoot his shot because we know he has no shame. And so he approaches her and offers to pump her gas. And Brandon is actually very funny in this scene because he's like, I thought you were going to help me out. And... <laughs> he's like dude what about me and her name is l we learn she's a very tall lady she's very like got really like uh, volumized hair all that and steve is loving this because she literally looks at him and says are you going to just stand there with your hose in your hand or are you going to stick it in my tank ew (laughs) yeah at this point i was like this is a match made for steve oh my god it's everything steve wants his little gross face Yep. He was in love. Yep. So they end up, like, I guess they fill her gas tank. They end up going to some bar where Steve and Elle go dancing, I guess. And Brandon is having more illusions of Jim and Cindy. Yep. And Cindy's like, Val looks up to you. You have to take care of her. And then for some reason, they start talking about that time that Jim almost cheated with his secretary. Yeah. But not the time that Cindy almost cheated with her college boyfriend. Right. Also, how does Brandon know? Right. I don't know. There's so many weird things about that one, like, little mini scene that I'm like, does Brandon know more than we think he does? Like, uh, what's the I point mean, here? Probably because we keep getting a lot of, like, oh, this person called me and told me everything off screen. Right, like, right. That happens multiple times. So I guess they've been very clear about, like, did I tell you about the time your father almost cheated on me? Ugh. Ugh. But it all comes down to Brandon realizing that he's hurt because his parents are going to Hong Kong. He's like, if you cared about me, you'd still be here. Yeah, he doesn't – he's feeling lonely at this point because Kelly's left him. His parents have left him. Brenda left him earlier. You know, he's feeling very alone. And everything that's keeping him in Beverly Hills essentially is going away. Mm-hmm. 
But he's interrupted because Steve comes over and he's like, I'm staying with her. Elle is a surefire thing. I'm going to close the deal. You go back to the hotel. I'll find my own way. And so Brandon does. And then the next scene we get of the two of them is Steve and Elle going out to her car because she's going to take him to her pleasure palace. Gross. So gross. But they start making out on the hood. And then the episode takes a really bad turn that I wasn't ready for and I'm so furious about. No, it's horrible. It's it's perhaps worst case scenario. <laughs> Literally, because they're making out and Steve pulls out like one of those little chiclets, like you stuff your bra or uh, cutlets. You stuff your bra with like the big plastic things. And he looks down and they have a voice that's supposed to be coming out of L, but is very clearly not. It's a very deep man's voice. And the insinuation is that L is trans and Steve didn't know that. And he freaks out in what is supposed to be a comedic moment and runs away. Yeah. Yeah. It's not comedic at all because like he notices just by the voice, I guess, that she L could just magically change because that's how that works. And Steve then glances further down and I guess is not pleased with what he sees, but screams. Comedic, like it is meant to be played as a joke of like, this is disgusting. I'm running away. Right. And like, this isn't the first time that, you know, this kind of reaction and storyline has been out there for this time Mm -hmm. period, but it's still horrible and I hate it. And, like, we're not perfect. 2021 is not a perfect time. I mean, very clearly, it's not hard to see that it is not a perfect time. But I do think that at least in mainstream media, this joke is – it is acknowledged that this joke is not funny. Right. Right. Like, this kind of commentary is over. It's hurtful and it's transphobic and it's not funny. And meanwhile – Brandon is driving back. He gets pulled over, presumably for, like, not going when the light changes. I don't really understand what happened because he was stopped. At a red light. At a red light. And so some cop pulls him over, which, to be fair, Brandon was drinking all day and then got behind the wheel. So, like, it's going to really suck when they pull up his arrest record and see he got a DUI. Yep. And... So the guy pulls him over. He asks for his license and registration. Brandon says, this isn't my car. I got to find the registration. While he's looking for it, a joint just falls out of Val's sun visor, which is not how you store joints. <laughs> and Val, and, like, should know this. And, like, if Val is the woman I think she is, she'd have, like, a fancy cigarette case for her joints. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she would have some sort of, like, transportation means of you know especially like because she already has like we see later she already has some in the hotel room so why would she just leave one dangling in the car this is not how you store them and it would get destroyed and it would dry out and it wouldn't be good like yeah this is just a bunch of people who don't know what joints really are and yeah and like even brandon admits to having a couple beers but he says it was 12 hours ago which definitely wasn't no but even if it was like 
that would mean he's fine. And so it's almost to the point where you think Brandon's going to be in the clear. And then the officer sees the joint, asks him to get out of the car to essentially be patted down and searched and arrested, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we can pick that back up in the next morning because a lot of other stuff has been happening while Brandon and Steve left the resort. Mm -hmm. Back in L.A., David and Charlie are doing a little, like, scene read with this investor and his girlfriend, and she's horrible. Like, Charlie is reading out the stage directions, and he says, blah, 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 the doctor whispers. And then this woman yells, what are you seeing? Yeah, it's awful. And Dylan, his reactions are awesome because <laughs> he's like, this is so bad. Charlie just skates past all of it. And at the point where they're, like, stopped, uh, Mr. Rose, I forget his first name. What's his first name? Tom, I think. Tom, yeah. He stops and says the problem is the story and not because of Angela's horrible reading, just literally reading, but he says that D Dylan's story has some elements of, like, it's not believable because he's worked in the banking industry and he knows what is real and what would pass and what wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But Dylan's like, well, no, I'm I did a lot of research on this. I'm pretty sure this would work. And Tom puts two and two together and realizes that Jack McKay is Dylan's dad. And, oh, okay, well, if Jack McKay is your dad, then you know what you're talking about. And if Jack McKay can pull off this scam, then it, it can be pulled off. Did you notice the scammer's name is Carl? Yes. Ah, uh, not until this very moment that you mentioned it. Nice. Okay. It, yeah, Dylan gets very suspicious at this point of, like, you knew my father. And mm -hmm. he makes a comment about how he's dead. And they're just like, uh, we know Jack McKay. He's not just dead. Right. And then, yeah, Dylan gets really suspicious about what's happening here. So then in Palm Springs, back in the room that Val has reserved, which, by the way, how does Val afford a two-bedroom suite? She's broke. We know she, she's broke. Yeah, and, like, she's not an alpha. Brandon's not a keg. Like, all these people that are not affiliated with the fraternity or sorority are just there, probably paying their own way. Yeah, they're not getting any sort of, like, group rate or anything. Yeah. But she hears Ray yelling at Donna and goes over to the window and sees them fighting and so we pan down to Ray and Donna just yelling at each other. And he's like, you're making me mad. And he's grabbing at her. She keeps trying to get away. He's pulling her back. She runs up the stairs. He grabs her and, like, pushes her against the banister. And then she finally tries to leave. And he pulls her another time and ends up throwing her down the stairs. Yep. And Valerie sees this entire thing and rushes over to try to help Meanwhile, Ray is just like, this was an accident. I didn't mean to. Keeps calling her babe over and over and over, which he doesn't do in normal conversation. So clearly he's trying to like, you know, be quote unquote sweet to her, I guess. And then when Val rushes over and tells Ray to go get the doctor, Ray's like, no, no, you get the doctor. I'll stay here. And she never should have left. Right. Honestly. Because he's just trying to cover his tracks. But she wants to help Donna, so she rushes and gets the doctor. Uh, we end up moving away. Donna is grabbing at her shoulder. And the next thing we see, Ray is waiting in the hospital waiting room, and Kelly rushes in, and Ray says that Donna fell on accident. 
Yeah, like she tripped or something. And when Donna comes out and says it's just a sprain, you know, Kelly's like, oh, yeah, Ray told me what happened. He said, you came, you saw, you you fell. Like making light of everything and like making it out to be that everything's fine. And Donna feels legitimately trapped by everyone around her and like uncomfortable and unable to say what happened. Yeah, she's barely speaking. She's kind of got a very blank look on her face, not confirming anything, not denying anything, but not confirming anything. But, you know, Kelly was asking Donna what happened, but Felice kind of swoops in and mentions that Valerie saw the whole thing. So at least now we know that it wasn't just Donna and Ray who were in in the moment but Valerie has seen it too, but we just don't have Valerie there to confirm or deny what actually happened. And Kelly makes an offhanded comment like, oh, did Valerie push you? Because she has it out for Valerie. Which unfortunately is a really bad joke, but she has no idea. Of course. And like, how could she, you know? And Donna just doesn't tell anybody like what really happened. She just wants to get out of there. Yeah. So they take her back to the resort back to the Marriott and we go back to LA. Yep. And I feel like we can handle a lot of Dylan's storyline at this point too. Sure. Because Charlie is out stargazing with Tom and his girlfriend and they're like, Oh my God, we should totally have a stargazing scene because then they can have the scene and then start talking about past lives and blah, blah, like something that quite literally happened in the show a couple episodes ago. And security comes over And they pull Tom aside and they say that Dylan was in Charlie's car making a phone call and that security overheard it and and that they have a problem. Exactly. And like the bodyguard whispers into Tom's ear, you know, presumably who it was and what the rationale or what the reason was, but we don't hear it. So we're kind of left in the dark as to what Dylan was doing, who he was talking to. And truly, I had no idea. I was like, I don't know who Dylan could have been calling that he had to like keep it a secret. Yep. But so the next morning, Tom tells Dylan that he wants to take him location scouting. And no, no, Charlie's already there. He left earlier. It's totally fine. Get in the limo. And he just does. And the bodyguard's in there, too. He, like, you know, they try to give him the newspaper, give him some orange juice to, like, make him comfortable, whatever. And essentially, like, when they arrive, it's like, they're they're just in the desert, I guess, and Tom says that they have like this private booking on the tram. And then he has a second bodyguard show up and they literally throw Dylan into the tram. Mm-hmm. And they make the driver start taking them up the mountain. He's telling him, like, oh yeah, we're in this place. It's like this amazing place, six thousand feet up. Imagine doing this and this. But then we go into the tram, they've taped Dylan's mouth shut. And once they get to a certain height, they stop the tram, open the doors, and hold him out the doors while they say, we know that you called Christine of the FBI. Which is awesome and good on Dylan to try to, like, connect, you know, the dots here and get Christine involved because this is the first time he's even had an inkling about anything to do with Jack since his last conversation with Christine. Yeah. And... Tom threatens him and he's like, I'm not the one that killed your father. And I think you need to understand that. You agree with me, don't you? While he's mm-hmm. holding Dylan at the door and Dylan's like, yeah, you didn't do it. 
I think you didn't do whatever, you know, right? As they throw his glasses out the window to scare him and pull him in and are like, all right, now let's do some business together. Yep. And I just want to point out the Simpsons also did this. Did they really? Yeah. Homer gets taken hostage and they have to go make the exchange and Homer requests that they do it in a tram at the top of a mountain. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) They're like, this was a horrible idea. Yeah, but it was Homer's idea. And how can you say no to that face? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, the Simpsons did it first. As they do with most things. Everything. Uh, actually, I don't know if they did it first. This episode might have come out before that one did. Ooh. Because we're on, like, season, like, 13 or 12 or something of The Simpsons. We're pretty far in. So, never mind. The Simpsons stole it from 90210. <laughs> But they go back to Tom's villa or house or whatever, and Charlie's like, hey, how was location scouting? And Dylan's like, it was bad. I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is not fun anymore. Um, He wants to walk away from the entire deal. And Charlie's like, no, just come inside. Let's have some lunch. Let's talk about this. Yep. And Dylan goes inside, and I legitimately thought, like, is Dylan staying for lunch? Right. Like, it was very unclear if he was staying or leaving. Yeah, but he goes inside. That scene cuts off, and I think now we can go back to Palm Springs. Yep. And at this point, we see Kelly, and she's, like, mad at David and Claire for saying that she was with Allison because of the undertone that they said it with, right? Like, it wasn't just she was hanging out with Allison. It's like, no, she was with Allison. And she doesn't really actually care what David and Claire think, but she does care what Brandon thinks because she obviously doesn't want him to have the wrong idea. And, of course, as soon as she mentions Brandon, Val comes up and is like, hey, have you seen Brandon? (laughs) No, because he's getting pulled over in your car right now. Yep, exactly. So at this scene, there's actually Ray singing that gets cut out. Oh, this is where it was? Yeah, where he is serenading all of the Kagan Alpha brothers and sisters with a Beatles cover. Oh. And Donna and her mom are watching him and Felice looks at Donna and is like, you know, you could at least like nod your head. You look like you're having fun when he's putting all this effort in for you. Huh. And Donna says that she's tired and she wants to go to bed. And Felice says like, (laughs) Felice says, okay, do you want me to tuck you in? What? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and Donna's like, no, and Felice is like, okay, I'll come check on you later, and then stays to keep watching racing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then it like that's when it pans over to Kelly having the conversation with David and Claire. Got it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So the next morning, Brandon has gotten out of uh, the holding cell. He shakes Val awake, and she's mad at him. She's like, what are you doing? I stayed up until 4 a.m. waiting for you, and he's like, yeah, I'm sure you did because I was in jail. And then proceeds to like tell her about the joint. Then he goes and flushes all of her stash down the toilet. So rude. So rude. But he's like, do you know what would have happened if this had been in your car when I got arrested? And this is also kind of his like come to Jesus moment when he's like, I promised I wouldn't do anything stupid. And all I've ever done is since I've been here is stupid things. I'm supposed to be looking out for you. Like all this kind of stuff. He kind of like realizes, all right. I need to, like, get my stuff together and be the person that I, I usually am. Yeah. And he basically says, like, I'm done with you. I'm going to find my own way back to L.A. 
Yep. So outside, Steve and Robin have been playing tennis again. And Steve, like Brandon walks by, so Steve comes up, and this is where they have a very stupid conversation about what happened with Elle, and I'm just going to skip it because I hated it, and I think it's stupid. Yeah, essentially Steve's just embarrassed about it. He doesn't want to tell Brandon, but then he does, and then he threatens Brandon and makes him not tell anybody. That's all. Yeah, because it would be embarrassing of what happened and, like, that it makes it into, like, that Elle was a bad person. Right, right. And that Steve should feel embarrassed about having attraction to a trans person. And it's disgusting. Yeah, it's stupid. Anyway, Donna is up in her room wanting – like, Felice wants to work on her speech with her. And she's like, I'm going to go get some ice. There's a lot of room for improvement in your speech. So, like, we're going to need some drinks while we work on this. I'm going to go get some ice for your shoulder, whatever. And she asks Ray to keep an eye on Donna. And as soon as she walks out the room, Ray comes over to the bed and Donna is like, do not talk to me. I don't want to be around with you. Yeah. Like she literally says, get away from me and stay away from me. But she doesn't hate him. She just doesn't understand all of this behavior, what's going on, why, you know, all of this is happening, what's, what, what is happening here. And he basically then turns everything around on her and blames her for everything that's happened and says that he shouldn't even be around her friends at all. Like, this is what happens when I'm around you and your college friends. Yeah. You made this happen by making me come here. Exactly. So downstairs, Brandon runs into Kelly. He apologizes for how he behaved yesterday, which, good. Good. Yeah. He should have. Mm -hmm. And Kelly tells him that his proposal did not feel like a proposal. It felt like a contest between him and Dylan, and she got caught in the middle. And I think that's a totally fair way to look at it. That's how I looked at it. Like, I think that's how we all looked at it. Yeah, it was essentially like two ultimatums that came out. The first one from Dylan was an ultimatum because he believed that they are soulmates, didn't require Kelly to feel that way and then the second brandon's proposal was a reaction to dylan's ultimatum yeah but he's like no it was a real proposal and i thought we were something but it turns out i was just some guy to which kelly is like no like that's not the case like i i I just don't understand how you know we have to get married right now but we can't be together and he says to his credit there's no going back like And this is fair. Like, the way that this was handled was not fair. She said, you know, I just can't be engaged to you right now. Different story. But that's not what she said. So he's like, there's no going back. But Kelly is not ready to give up on them. Yeah. Which, fair. I'm not ready to give up on them either. She just handled it poorly, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think everything's so raw right now. So it's not the best time to revisit the conversation of them as a couple, but they clearly have feelings for each other, so I don't think that just goes away. Mm-hmm. But Brandon goes to leave. He's presumably making his way back to L.A., and everybody else is at Donna's speech, including David and Claire, even though neither of them are Keg or Alpha. Why they're there makes no sense. I don't know even why they're there. I have no idea, but Claire for- Kelly forgives Claire, and then David makes a gay joke because he's like, oh, do you forgive me? And she's like, no. Not as much. And he's like, oh, so you do prefer women. And it's like, yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean, everyone prefers everyone over you, David. That's not a (laughs) women versus men thing. 
But they see Felice and Ray come in together and how weird it is. And this is where Ray says that Felice is a Closet Beatles fan, which is a callback to okay. Ray singing Obla Dio Obla Da. Got it. Yeah. Makes a lot more sense when we see if the If you full know the context. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because at first I wrote it down. I was like, what is the point of this? Right. And then I was like, I'll go to YouTube and I'll search like the name of the episode because I knew that we had missed that one scene. And so I searched like, you know, Ray, P.S. I love you. And then this one came up too. And I was like, what is this? We've missed it twice in one episode. <laughs> As always. And Val's there too. Which it, it makes no sense that half these people came to Palm Springs. Like, I don't get it. Right. Whatever. But yeah, she like is kind of hush-hush talking to Donna here because she's trying to tell Donna, like, she saw the whole thing. She knows exactly what happened. And Donna is very adamant that Valerie shouldn't say anything. Like, you don't know what happened. Don't say anything. Like, this is between me and Ray kind of situation. But then she also lets slip in something that has been pretty much a whole season coming is that she knows that there's more going on between Valerie and Ray than what they have told her. But yeah. This is complete news to us, and this makes me actually feel like we're the dumb ones for thinking the writers were making Donna dumb the entire season. But in reality, as Donna always does, she comes out the smartest of them all. I know. I I had a whole moment. I was like, oh, my God, she really is an angel on earth where she knows everything that is happening and chooses not to burn Val. Right. But then it just gets me thinking, well, then why are you keeping her with Ray if she knows about his infidelity, she knows about his uh, abusive tendencies, and she knows he's not happy? Yeah, that remains to be seen. I don't have an answer there. Like, my only thing is that, like, she is trying to protect Valerie for everything that Valerie has gone through. Mm -hmm. And because if she doesn't stand up for Valerie, no one will. Right. It's true. I mean, she even says, like, you're not my friend. You're not anyone's friend. Which it's funny because then she goes up to give her speech about how like no one pushes an alpha around. Right. And that's the new alpha woman. Yeah. But then she, you know, makes a comment about how the uh, alumni have like come in and kind of shown them the same thing. It's It's a weird speech, but it all boils down to like nobody pushes us around. Which mm -hmm. is ironic considering she is literally being pushed around. But that's got to mean something, right? Exactly. So we don't really see much more of her speech. We just get like this little moment of it because we go to the bus station. And apparently where Dylan has been is right next to Palm Springs. <laughs> the entire time. The entire time because he runs into Brandon at the bus station. <laughs> so they get on the bus together. And they fill each other in on every like Brandon tells him everything that has been happening. And I just love it so much where Dylan's like, so you're seeing your parents? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice though, because like he's kind of the perfect person to tell that to because of his hypno uh his hypnosis and his experience with, you know, several lives. And he's he's just like the subconscious. It's a bitch. <laughs> So is Valerie. Yep. And I just love all of it. I love like Dylan being like, man, I can't believe that you were able to say no to her. I never could. 
Mm-hmm. And they even talk about Kelly without fighting, which is not something we've seen like a couple months ago when they went on that road trip. Yeah. They got in a huge fight and were like, do not talk about Kelly. They literally just both tried to keep Kelly away from the other mm-hmm. and are just like chill about it. Like Brandon's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be paying for that ring for four years. Yeah. And Dylan's just like, how did she manage to get us so turned around? You know, it's like clearly like I don't think nothing. None of this was Kelly being intentional no. about any of this, but it's. It's helped Dylan and Brandon to kind of come together and be like, man, we just – we are so caught up in her. We were focused only on her and not anything else. But now that we're out of it, we can see that. Yeah. And I just – I love when they're being friends. I, I say it too. every single time, but I love it. Me too. Back in Palm Springs, everyone's getting ready to leave. Felice is packing up Donna's room and is like – I got a ton of compliments on your speech. I'm so proud of you. You know, even after seeing Ray this weekend, I can see that he fits in. You know, your father saw it the whole time and I resisted it, but I'm done resisting it. And Donna tries to tell her. She's like, I don't think that love is the only thing anymore. Like, I'm I'm not sure what's happening here, but it's not good. But she does admit she still loves him. And Felice is just all like, well, maybe that's enough. Yeah. She's like, in the long run, that's all that matters. Yeah. And then he shows up to get her and she's still like super pissed, not really making eye contact, not wanting to talk to him, all this stuff. And you see her face. I know. And I'm just like, Felice, just look at your daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. But she leaves with him and they go back to L.A. together. And now that Brandon and Dylan have ba- have arrived back in, in Beverly Hills, specifically they go drop off Walsh, uh, Brandon first at the Walsh house where, you know, he has to go reconcile with the fact that they are still trying to sell the house. But Dylan points out, um, no, dude, there's a sold sign on your front lawn. And so he walks in. The realtor's there. He says that they got like a full cash offer. It's a short escrow. They couldn't turn it down. And everybody's laughing. So Brandon literally just laughs at her and walks away. Yeah. And so, like, he walks away. We have a quick thing where we go to Dylan's house. He's gotten home. He's checking his messages. Christine has called him. And she's like, I just got your message. Look, those men that you called me about are dangerous. And you need to stay away. And we are so close to figuring out who killed your father. Don't do anything stupid. Meanwhile... Dylan is pulling out his gun and loading it with bullets that we for we didn't even know he still had. We thought I he totally got rid of it. forgot. Every time I'm like, oh, he got rid of the gun. No, he didn't. Oh, he got rid of the gun. No, he didn't. This is like the third time, and he literally hides it under all of his first aid stuff. I know. <laughs> Poor baby Dylan. I it's just want him to find out the answers. That's all I want, so he can be done with it. I know he like. I hate saying closure because there is no like closure when your father has been murdered but right like at least having an answer gives you some semblance of like inability to move on exactly and then we go back to the walsh's house valerie has finally gotten back brandon is watching home videos of his and brenda's smurf birthday party and valerie is there in those videos because i guess they go way way back and i mean they said they've been friends for life true True. It just is kind of weird. And it looks like they use the same girl for Brenda that they do Valerie in, yeah. <laughs> in these home videos. 
but apparently they have two weeks to get out of the house um and i don't like the rest of this part yeah because they're looking at all this friendship stuff and valerie says uh we can't let sex and drugs ruin our longtime friendship and brandon says friends that's all we'll be and then 10 seconds later they start making out on the couch we fade to black and that's a wrap on season five what a horrible way to end it. I wish they would have ended at it ended it as at the Smurf cake. Seriously, like the, it's a cliffhanger for a season ender and I know like next season will start up and it'll be like this is what happened between Brandon and Valerie because I don't think this is going to stay. But I don't think so either. Man. I don't think, I don't see how it could. They they clash way too much. What a way to end the season. No kidding. I have like six pages of notes. It's going to take me a minute to find what I want to guess for your quote of the week. If you have one. I do have one. I'm trying to remember where it was. <laughs> um, let's see. It's something I can just reveal it, you know, because we have a lot of we've been going for quite a while. And <laughs> Brandon Walsh with Steve Sanders says, bro, I may turn it into a pillar of salt. And if I do, please use me for margaritas. That was honestly going to be my guess. It was my only guess that I had. Yeah, it was it was the only one that was like actually good unless Mary has one. Um, I wrote down a couple things. They're not great. Um Dylan and Brandon had a cute little moment just being quippy together where Dylan's like the subconscious is a bitch and uh Brandon says so is Valerie. <laughs> yep. I like that too. Um and then Rush said something, I think, to Steve, and he was like, do you have bubbles in your think tank? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And that was kind of funny. And um, yeah, the other thing I wrote down is, are you going to just stand there with that hose in your hand or are you going to stick it in my tank? <laughs> gross. Yikes. So gross. Yikes. Uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I almost guessed that last one, but I was like, it's too gross. I can't say it. Yeah. Yeah. As for a moment of the week, um, I'm pretty sure it was when we almost got lesbians. <laughs> um, like, that that little floor dinner was just really fucking cute, and I loved it. It was, wasn't it? Uh, honestly, if John gave me a candlelit floor dinner with creme brulee, He's getting it tonight, right? <laughs> I'd be so happy. I I got no other words. Yeah, like that's so cute and so adorable. Give me that date all the time. I will love Seriously. it. Seriously. I loved it so much. Also, season I'm, finale boomy. Dude, boomy Multiple went boomy. all around. Yeah. Again. He was in the hallucination with Jim and Cindy. He was on the way to uh Tom Rose's house. Like he was just ever present. He was on the way to the Pleasure Palace. Ooh. <laughs> I feel Boomy, like he like ducked <laughs> he ducked in, she said Pleasure Palace, and he was like, like No nope, bye. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well we I did it. I cannot believe we are through season five. We did it. We are done with season five. So kiddos, the next time you see us, we'll be in season six. Season six, episode one. Home is where the tart is. I would like a tart. I mean, it's Valerie. She's right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, 
It could be new season, new drama. It could be new characters. We already know we've said goodbye to Jim and Cindy Walsh. We've said goodbye to Andrea Vasquez, Zuckerman Vasquez, as well as Jesse and Hannah. So where will we go? We will find out. Yeah. So until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Shoot us over an email. Um, Let us know if you guys liked anything in particular we did over the season or if there's things you want to see next season. Um, Make sure you do that at back2podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, like, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. Uh, All of that helps us get seen. It really helps us build a community. And if you give us a shout out, if you give us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. And we really appreciate it. So thanks in advance. And until next season, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm a sign for the other desert cities. I mean, you should just call me the Terminator because who else could knock out two guys with one shot? And I'm too drunk because I'm hallucinating my parents. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See ya.